0: On today's episode of Locked on Spartans, we kick things off with instant reaction after the Illinois game recorded that segment just after Michigan State lost that late game in Champaign. And then the next two segments after that, Dave Klein of SpartanHoops.com joins us to add his thoughts on Michigan State's game against Illinois and also talking about Monday showdown against top five ranked Purdue. Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. It's your host, Matt Sheehan, yes, of Locked On Spartans. Thank you so much for joining us today on this weekend, or if you're listening later on during the weekday, hey. Well, thanks anyway for joining us. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. It's not a victory podcast. No, for the first time in quite some time. Uh, we're going to talk about a Michigan State loss here for a little bit. Illinois. 75, Michigan State 66, in a game that Michigan State largely controlled until, well, the last mm, five, seven minutes of the game. Um, you know, what? like, no, I'm not going to be throwing glassware all over the house. No, I did not just get done slashing the tires of my own car in the driveway out of anger. I mean, that's not to say that you know, I'm not annoyed. I'm not, you know, thrilled <laughs> Michigan State lost. Uh, no, like that was a game that was winnable. But did the better team win tonight? Yeah, probably, because it's pretty hard to win a game. When you make, uh, hmm, hold on, let's do the math here, zero three-pointers total. And look, I know that wasn't Michigan State's game plan going in. They just shot seven three-pointers total, but still, kind of hurts when you don't make any of them. And then also, well, okay, we we saw what happens when you don't have an imposing big man in the middle. Now, let's not get it twisted. Um, Actually, let's start it this way. I liked Michigan State's game plan tonight. I, I thought it was very well orchestrated, very well done. They got many of their points in the paint tonight. And that goes without saying. I mean, they scored 66 points with zero three pointers. So, yeah, of course, a good chunk is going to come inside the paint. They saw a weakness in Illinois' defense. It was, hey, well, we're going to feast. In the lane here, Uh, we're going to get these guys going down low. That includes Joey Hauser, AJ Hogard with 20 points tonight. He got a great deal of that going inside the lane, and they just attacked, attacked, attacked. However, uh, you you also got to play defense on the other end, and, well, it was made very clear that Okay, uh, this is the pitfalls of not having a dominant big man. And yeah, Michigan State has gotten away with it in the seven previous games. In that win streak, it's been no problem. They've gotten damage done everywhere else. However, on the road, it finally bit them. Dane Danger, 20 points on 8 of 12, shooting Matthew Mayer, the Baylor transfer. He lights it up for 19 points as well. And then, well, he had nine points from beyond the arc. He also had a good game inside as well. Also tacked on six blocks on the defensive end. But just talking defensively for Michigan State, that's what happens. <laughs> when you don't have a big man that is just ironclad, I guess. And look, Manny Sissoko is is fine. He's, he's fine. He's fine. But that's it. Just fine. You also have behind him Carson Cooper, who is now... Maybe the best freshman in this class. I don't know. It's neck and neck between Carson Cooper and Trey Holloman against all odds. I still give the nod to Trey Holloman, but after today's game, that's the best we've seen Carson Cooper play, and we kind of said something similar after the Wisconsin game as well. Uh, Carson Cooper gave Michigan State some really good first half minutes. He had six points in the first half, and on the game he had four rebounds total, and that's the only big man behind Maddie that you can really kind of somewhat barely trust out there. And I'm going to say it for maybe the 23rd time this year that like this isn't even a kid that's supposed to be playing. This was a kid that was brought here to redshirt for a year, mold him into a better player, and then when he's finally ready to play college basketball, he'll play next year. We know the story. He's playing out of necessity now because, well, after Maddie. Uh-oh, we don't really have a big man. And yes, we thought that it would be Jackson Cole going into this year. And it is made very clear now that that's not happening this year. No, I'm not writing Jackson off his entire career. Maybe he has a really good offseason coming up. Maybe he even comes along his third year. But mm, no, this is uh this is not happening in the front court amongst these big men, and that's why you have to have Carson Cooper play again, a young guy, a guy that's still pretty raw. So when you have guys feasting like Dane Danger, which, my God, what a sick name, first and foremost. Yeah, that's the pitfalls. And when you get to winning time, in the final five minutes, Dane Danger, offensive rebound, easy putback. Dane Danger, going to the lane, okay, easy post-up, score right there. Really hard to win when that is the case. So, yes, bummer of a win. Um, it Um Now it puts us in an interesting spot for what we think as state fans here Uh when it comes to the Big Ten race. Because after a seven-game win streak, you know, four of those games coming in Big Ten play, how could we not think about the Big Ten regular season championship? Especially when, well, 12 of the other teams kind of look very gettable, kind of look mid, so to speak. Uh, and then, well, okay, that 13th team... One of them is Minnesota, who which I shouldn't disrespect. Okay, They just beat Ohio State on the road the other day. But that 14th team is Purdue. The team you're playing on Monday, that adds so much to that game. If this banner is really going to be a goal of this team, and of course us as a fan base, get our expectations going the rest of the year. Enough about the team. Let's talk about the people that matter here. Us, the fans. That's right. I mean, look, Michigan State has two losses on the season. Okay? 18 and 2 is not going to win. Okay, no, I shouldn't say 18 and 2 is certainly going to win the Big Ten this year, but do I think that's the record that you need to win the Big Ten? Absolutely not. If you listen to the last episode, look, odds are, both Vegas wise and also the computers tell you, and really the eye test probably tells you as well, 15 and 5 is probably good enough to win the Big Ten, but you have this big, scary Purdue team coming to your barn on Monday. Can you write the ship? Hope so. And also, what would be really nice too is getting some um, performances or just a performance from players that you haven't seen in a while. Of course, you just talked about Jackson Kohler. I mean, look, at this point, he is who he is, but oh man, where art thou? Pierre Brooks, uh, we, we miss you. <laughs> we, we, we miss you, Pierre. Uh, this was the third straight game with zero points from Pierre Brooks, and this was the kid at the beginning of the season that, well, we talked about this if you've been listening to this episode or this podcast for quite some time. Um, we've talked about it up and down that, hey, he's going to be a microwave for you. He's going to win you games, and he's going to just not be there for you in some games because that's just the nature of who he is. He's a high-volume shooter, but he's not even that the last few games. Um Really taking a back seat, but we could really use another shooter off the bench when it isn't going well. Just look at tonight's game, for example. You don't think that they could have used one or two three-pointers in a good moment. So, yes, if, if Pierre Brooks can please come back, that'd be great. Um, I know that you know maybe we're nitpicky a little bit. It's a seventh man on the team, the eighth man on the team, the second or third guy off the bench, but oh it would just be great if we can get one of those players that was on the team in the first semester back for this semester and not just hanging out and study abroad. It would would be really nice. I know, quite the hot take there. But, look, just to kind of round this out on some high notes here, um, Joey Hauser, again, 11 points, 11 rebounds. Just, I thought he played fine. I, I thought he had a fine game. Yes, 0 of 2 from 3-point land, but, look, the, the mission from Tom Izzo was get into the paint body up on these guys get the mouse in the house and okay 11 points is solid AJ Hogard I mean it's just another episode of us talking about how this is his team how he puts the team on his back in situations and we saw it late in the game as well as Michigan State was seeing that lead melt away AJ said okay fine fine I'll just do it myself and you know he got Some of it done, if not most of it done, but it still wasn't enough. Tyson Walker, 14 points, but on 6 of 15 shooting. Only took one three-pointer that whole game, and I'm sure that was part of the game plan as well. Tyson, let's get your great mid-range game going, and it it just didn't get going enough. Usually, God, doesn't it seem like he's 95% on those elbow jumpers? It it was not the case here. He also passed up a few mid-range floaters. Some of them looked pretty open, too. And those turned into crucial second-half turnovers. But, again, 14 points. I I can't kill the guy too much for that. And then Malik Hall uh, finally has a a stinker coming back. He's been really good since he has come back from his foot injury. So, no, I'm not just going to be screaming about the kid or anything. I mean, two points, one of four shooting, four rebounds. It was eh in his 18 minutes of work. So, that's that's, that's what you get right there. Um, it, It was just, you know, solid games from... Hauser, solid game. I'm sorry, more than a solid game from A.J. Hogard. But everywhere else, eh, you know, I I like the game plan. It was fine. You were a few rebounds away from really being into it the last two to three minutes. But, hey, credit to Illinois as well. They had some big shots. All right, it has been, you know, at least two minutes since Michigan State has seen an opposing player have a career night against them. Which, as State fans, we're not a stranger to seeing. That was Matthew Mayer tonight. Uh, yeah, he bounced back 20 points. I'm sorry, 19 points, six blocks for him. And then, yeah, well, Terrence Shannon is just Terrence Shannon. So, no. It's also just Illinois just played really good on their home court. They smelt the blood with about eight minutes to go and then pounced. So, again, that doesn't make the loss any easier to swallow. It was there for the taking. But, again, like this is a nasty Big Ten season. And we will be back and also joined by Dave Klein of SpartanHoops.com, but first need to talk to you about LinkedIn Jobs. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experience to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your job openings, with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post, company, and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates possible. Identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs and connect with them fast and, best of all, for free. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege. That's linkedin.com slash lockedoncollege to post your job for free, terms, and conditions. Conditions apply. A man that needs no introduction, but we're gonna give him one anyway. You know, this is friend of the program, one of the greatest friends of the program. Let's be honest. He's Dave Klein of Spartanhoops.com. He is the prophet of everything Michigan State basketball. DK, we're a little less than 24 hours after the Illinois Road defeat. How are we feeling? It's gonna vibe check from the world of DK right now.
1: Yeah, I woke up feeling a little bit just unsettled. Felt like maybe we let one slip away a little bit last night. Uh, primary concern is obviously the hall injury. Um, you just have to hope that it's nothing serious. There's been some reports I put out there on Twitter this morning that I woke up and I was worried, you know, just I hope he's doing all right. two confirmed reports of seen him in line at Dunkin' Donuts. No boot. He's walking in a shoe. I mean, the people got our back out (laughs) on the Internet. So I'm just I'm going to hold my breath until we get a a formal report one way or the other, because if he's out this week, um, I really think it's probably the biggest swing week for the program in terms of their Big Ten title contention hopes. You really probably got to win both. But if you split one, you have to probably beat Purdue on Monday. So this is a scenario where, you know, I, I thought Michigan State played good enough basketball for about 33, 34 minutes to win that game last night. Meyer yeah. ends up getting hot, kind of cooks us a little bit at the end there. Hall goes down. And, I, you know, I, I watched the Izzo post-game presser, and he just thought the team kind of got gassed, and they ran out of steam at the end. And that kind of is what it looked like. They just weren't able to get a stop in the last four minutes and couldn't continue to put pressure. Um, but great crowd atmosphere from Illinois. Credit them for the win. Uh, but the ref's were in garbage, too. We're just going to put that out there. So. <laughs>
0: I want to get to those zebras later in, in a little bit. We're, we're going to hit the pause button on that, though, because other than obviously like officiating, we're going to leave when he calls injury to the side. And that is good news that he is walking around in a normal shoe, because let's be honest, like Michigan State's coaching staff, I think they get paid five hundred dollars every time they hand out a walking boot. Like they, they use walking boots so like liberally in the program yeah. that, OK, after the game, he's not in one. Okay, Like, it's not official, but things are are looking good right now. Besides those two points, though, like, what was your biggest takeaway for Michigan State in this game? For me, it was, okay, well, you kind of got caught finally not having, like, a dominant big man because, well, Dane Danger kind of ate things up there at the end. But do you have something else that stuck out to you more than either the – Yeah, I mean, I think that – yeah, I think we knew that
1: this roster was slightly flawed coming into the season. We had real concerns about yeah. what it was going to look like at the center spot. I think Maddie has probably exceeded some expectations in some games, and other games, you know, he's falling a little short. And this one, to me, was um, not so much about the, the inability to be able to score easy points because Michigan State actually had more points in the paint, believe it or not, because the, the guards end up having so much dribble penetration throughout the entire night and really got right. wherever they wanted to. Um, but I thought that this was the inability to defend the post one-on-one, and that's probably what we saw. I thought Carson right. Cooper gave some really nice minutes. I was actually surprised that, you know, like the last seven or eight minutes, they didn't go back to him. I get he's a freshman. I get that, you know, he's had an up and down, but I thought that he played some of the best basketball we've seen from him, obviously, over his entire uh, very early career that game. And so for me, I might have gone back to the well there a little bit. It sounds like Izzo had intended to play the small ball lineup, had mm-hmm. Hall not got banged up, so we might have seen that that worked for them at the end of the Wisconsin game. He wanted to go back to that, and he wasn't able to do it. Um, yeah, so I mean, it, it, this is a tough conference not to have a guy that can go get you an easy two inside inside the paint, and uh, somebody that can just defend, you know, straight up on that. And that's kind of the issue yeah. that we're running into now. Uh, it's not going to go away. That's um, going to be a problem. And I think, you know, to a certain degree, they're missing an elite wing defender too. I think Hall is pretty decent. Okay. I think Akins is pretty good at guarding the perimeter in some spots, but I think they're missing a guy, to be honest with you, like Cohen Carr, just a guy who's 6'6", 6'7", long, athletic, and is really going to cause some disruption there. Um, a guy like Aaron Henry that, that we're just missing to kind of lock down that perimeter.
0: You know, I got to say, like when he announced his commitment to Michigan State and even to start the season, I, I had no idea I'd be talking about Carson Cooper this much in the middle of January, but here we are and – is he the next man up off the bench now? Like, do you think he's jumped over Jackson Kohler at this point in the season, I, or is yeah. this just you know this is how the matchups have gone the last two games here? Yeah,
1: that's what Izzo's kept alluded to, and I think he's trying mm-hmm. to keep Kohler's confidence up. But what yeah. does Kohler at this current moment do better than Carson Cooper? And you can't really answer that. Like, I, I think he, he bites for pump fakes better. Pump
0: fakes. He, he he jumps at pump fakes even better. Than, yeah, than and, I, you that's, know, that's I don't want to go
1: too hard on him because this is going to be an adjustment
0: yeah. year for him. And I'm just
1: I expected his offense to be much further along than it is at this point. Um and so yeah, I don't know. We're, we're gonna have to speak about Carson Cooper because how he performed in that end of the first half, six points, four boards, a couple left-handed layups. he had that stock transition. <laughs> right he caught the ball at like the top of the key and took a dribble and just like flushed it. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so he's shown some flashes. I thought that was maybe the the most complete like just run that he had steady run in a game. And I think that you absolutely have to keep tapping in because he's 6'11", he's athletic, he moves well. Uh, I think you could make an argument that he walls up probably better than anyone else on the team. I mean, Maddie's never really been a wall-up guy. He's kind of been more of a physical guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I I think that we're going to continue to see more minutes out of him. And I I thought it was going to take a couple years, but maybe heading into next season, we're going to be talking about him playing closer to 12, 15 minutes a game. And that's going to be a very good thing. So that was – a bit of an eye-opening performance from him, particularly in the venue and just how like raucous it was for him to play as well as he did. I would have liked to see them maybe reward him and gone back to him a little bit later, but um, so it it just ended up being the way that the rotation worked out once Hall went down.
0: And let's go to the other you know storyline of the game. You of course alluded to it earlier. It's been nonstop chatter on Twitter, and I'll, I'll try not to ramble too long. But when it comes to officiating. I think the game yesterday was finally the moment where I realized that I think I'm just, like, apathetic to it at this point. Like, Tyson Walker gets absolutely steamrolled in the paint, uh, clear as day charge. They they call it a block, and honestly, like, my blood pressure didn't even spike a little bit because the Big Ten is now, to me, just, just home of questionable officiating at best. When I was a kid, we played in a baseball tournament in Warren. Shout out to Helmich Park. The umpires were atrocious. There was one umpire that would close his eyes and turn his head every time the pitch came in. There was one time he called a ball when a kid swung because he never saw the kid swung. Anyway, that was kind of like the gimmick of the tournament, that the umpires were just hor- This is what I view of the Big Ten now, is that every night you're just going to get trash officiating. And that's like... I don't know. Like, it, 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 I, I think I'm apathetic now. Like, or, or, how do you just dissect the whole officiating thing in the Big Ten? Because it, yeah, it's now. It's I mean, we've now. seen
1: two games clearly: the end of the Rutgers Ohio State game where Ohio oh, State stepped God. out of
0: bounds that
1: <laughs> yeah. cost them the game, and yeah. then we saw the flip side of that when Minnesota drove clear block. I mean, he had nothing but ball. They call yeah. a foul, and Minnesota ends up icing that one. So, we've seen of recent um, just you know, at least two games where there was a clear – like the outcome was dictated by, you know, the officiating. I I just think it's kind of down across everywhere. It's been really bad. Yeah. That that game to me last night, I don't think that the refs cost Michigan State the game, but I thought that they cost them the ability to be in the game late, if that makes sense. Like there was enough momentum swinging calls when Michigan State had some real pressure on Illinois – uh, they called that Hogard charge. I watched that back three or four times. He didn't chicken wing him, didn't really yeah. bump him with the shoulder. We saw the flop earlier on that hall call and then not to give it turn around and give it back to Tyson after he takes an elbow in the chin. Like it was just it was it was kind of death by a thousand cuts from that. Yeah. Um, Got to credit Jay Birch here because he, he tweeted something underneath my post. Illinois went 12 plus minutes without committing a foul in the second half. Uh only Illinois infraction between 1841 and 615 was the underwood tech that he got. Like that's impossible. We outscored him points in the paint. I know we took a lot of mid-range jump shots, but a lot of what we did was inside the paint yesterday and to not have like a 12-minute run. And I think there was nine straight calls called against us. Again, I don't think that it it, it cost us the game because Michigan State was up. I think nine, and then they had back-to-back yeah. turnovers. Walker coughed up a couple. They had a right. shot in the corner from Aikens when it was seven to push it up to ten. Like, they had some opportunities, but um, when you're in that space, in that environment, and you have to overcome the whistle on top of being on the road, on top of the Hall injury, it just seemed like it kind of compiled too much. Uh, they didn't get a stop the last four minutes. So, ultimately, Meyer right. cooked us. You don't get a stop. Like you're not gonna win games like that if you don't execute and, and play well down the stretch. So I don't want to. I'm not taking anything away from the Illinois win, but I just thought that the entire game, every time Michigan State made a push, they had an ability to maybe even push that out or provide some comfort with the lead, and they just couldn't get a call, and it was it was a little bit frustrating. I just thought top to bottom that was one of the worst officiated games I'd seen all season.
0: And we'll probably talk about another poorly officiated game somewhere (laughs) in the very near future. Cause I just, like I said, this is what I've come to realize what the big 10 and just like you said, kind of just college basketball as a whole is, and I don't envy these refs at all. Like it is a very tough job. I would never take it. I'm sure they do have a problem finding guys that, want to officiate games just because, well, just how mean people like us are. (laughs) (laughs) They're getting
1: paid like 3,500 to 5k a pop to go to one of those games. I mean, they have to
0: pay for the travel and all the rest of it, but it's, it's, it's pretty decent money. So, I don't feel – okay, never mind. then. I don't, I don't feel so bad if that's really what they're getting then. Ah, screw them. All right, <laughs> there we go. I want to get to the Purdue game in a hot second here, DK. But first, I need to talk people's ears off about BetOnline.net. It's Wild Card Weekend, everyone. Or, hey, if uh, you're listening to this episode beyond Wild Card Weekend, they still got you covered at BetOnline with anything that you could ever need. They got your futures for all your leagues that you like, whether it's pro or college. They've got it set up because they are your number one source for your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds, trends, and action for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college basketball. That's right, we got NBA, we got PGA golf in the mix. They got it all at betonline.net, point blank, period. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find even more of those at BetOnline as well. We are always the fastest and easiest way to get in on all of your sports betting action. So what are you waiting for? Head to the website today. Use a mobile device. Learn more about the trends and action that is at Bet Online, where the game starts. And let's kick off this next segment here with talk about Monday's game. It's just the ever normal time of 2:30 p.m. on a Monday for uh, some Michigan State. I know basketball. I'm sliding up there. I'm pretty excited. I'm hey, you now. let's do it. Here let's we go. go. Wow, yeah. <laughs> that's that's how you spend a Monday, right there. How are you feeling for the game? I, I I don't even have a creative question around this. Just how are you feeling? Because obviously Purdue. Pretty good. They've only lost one game, and that was by one point. But also, hmm, gone to overtime against Nebraska. I mean, a few weeks ago, not their game. They just beat them by 30. And uh, they've also had another close game here. Like, is, is Purdue vulnerable? Is Purdue vulnerable?
1: I think that they're partially vulnerable, but I think that the most shocking part of it is just how well the freshman backcourt has been playing. I know. Um, yeah. You know, Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer have been – as good as advertised they're playing like upperclassmen neither of these guys was particularly highly touted I think both of them were outside the top 100 Um, and both of these guys have come in and I, I think some of it is that Zach Eadie takes a ton of pressure off the entire roster when you have a monster in the middle a guy you can kick the ball into defenses are forced to sag and double and hedge and I think that it makes it a little bit easier for you to make a transition, but really they both have been by and far Mm. exceeded expectations for just what I thought they were going to be this season. I just really didn't like the backcourt. I thought they were going to have some struggles. They haven't really gone on and seen a venue like they're going to see on Monday. I think that maybe that gives you some hope, you know, Mm -hmm. two big wins I think over Duke and maybe they beat Gonzaga as well. I think both of those are on a neutral They really struggled on the road at Nebraska. That's the first real kind of like venomous um, venue that they've seen. And I think that if the Breslin is rocking, um, there's going to be some mistakes made. I think that you have to capitalize uh, on it. But I think you like Michigan State and the veterans. If Hall is healthy and can go, I I think Michigan State's going to give them a fight. And I think that what you saw from the Illinois game is that the backcourt is really good, maybe the best in the Big Ten. I thought Hogard, for the most part, was pretty damn good. He had a couple loose turnovers where you're like, ah, he took that three in a, you know, a one possession game. You probably want that one back. But I think that he's playing pretty free. He's playing pretty locked in and the mid range game for him is just, it's completely changed the ceiling of who he is as an offensive player. He's hitting mid range jump shots. He's got a little floater. He's got a little post up game. Now Um, he's, he's right behind Jalen Pickett for the best point guard in the big 10 right now. And um, I, I think Michigan State's going to have to really lean on those two guys to not only score offensively, but I think really cause some disruption. Because Braden Smith, I think, is like maybe 5'11", 5'10". He's got a longer wingspan, but he's a smaller guy. Fletcher Lawyer's is like 6'4". Mm-hmm. So I, I think Michigan State defensively can get in these guys and create some disruption, create some problems for them. So I, I think that that's really the matchup that I'm circling Edie's obviously going to demand a ton of attention, but to me, he's going to yeah. score 25 plus. You're going to, I think this is a game where you just let him get his. If you stop everything else and you make Edie, you know, score 25 to 30 points, but you shut off the water everywhere else, I think it's a game that Michigan State can win. And that's what I'd like to
0: see. There's one stat here that really sticks out to me as hope for us Michigan State fans. And believe me, there's a lot of stats that give a lot of hope to Purdue fans. Like, okay, they're adjusted efficiency on offense. Number five in the country. They got a top 40 defensive efficiency. Number one rebounding team offensively. They're a top 35 defensive rebounding team. Free throw rate, they're top 40. Opposing free throw rate, they're number one in the country. I can go on and on about this, DK, but that one stat that I like as a State fan, is that the three point percentage is only 32.6 percent. That is outside of the top 200 in the country. So let's say Edie gets the ball, and I'm sure teams have tried this all up and down before, and it's easier said than done against a guy that's seven foot five. Sag down on him, you make him pass, and Edie does have good vision, but hopefully he passes it to the outside shooter. And in a tough environment like Breslin Center, that 32.6 percent chance of making a three pointer comes to fruition. That, that's really really the, the beacon of light that I'm staring at here for, for hope for this win. Uh, yeah. I'd say the only office. guy
1: that you really just absolutely can't leave to me is Fletcher lawyer. Cause he's, he's yeah. shown the ability to hit big game shots. You saw yep. in the OSU game, they doubled down on Edie. He hit that three. Um, again, he just plays like a veteran. If, if you know, you're going to, double and you're going to hard hedge you're going to do some things to mix up the defense against against Edie. i think the one guy that you just can't let start getting hot from deep is lawyer for me you just you can't do it
0: also just because it would really hurt like internally like oh great <laughs> a guy with the last name lawyer on his jersey is absolutely tearing us to shreds like that's what we thought would happen in breslin center but for a guy named foster when he played here that's what we right well not, maybe we have that crunchier. going for
1: us there wasn't very <laughs> many shots made uh from his brother in the breslin center so let's hope we can continue that trend yeah. against against the younger one
0: we'll always have that eastern michigan game against that world's worst zone defense when he had like 26 or whatever he had that one i don't know but i digress last question before i let you enjoy the rest of your week and thanks a ton for your time man. especially recording on a saturday here but What does this game mean to you just personally as a fan here? Because for me, like, if if they beat Purdue, then, okay, I still think that Big Ten title is in reality. Whereas, like, if they lose this game, like, no, it's not completely out of the question. But now I start to switch into the mindset of, let's just try to get a, a great tournament seed if you will. So what's your mindset going into this? Yeah,
1: I would agree with that because I just don't think Purdue is going to lose maybe more than four or five games. Um, You Mm -hmm. have to deliver one to them. You're going to Mackey. You're probably not going to get that. And then you look at Rutgers. You don't have to play them at the rack, but you're going to MSG. Um, I think these are the two other best teams, in my opinion. I think we saw one of them Friday night. Illinois really turned a corner. Yeah. I think they're going to start presenting some problems for teams. They can, um, you know, they can get in stretches where they make bad decisions, take bad shots. But I, I think that they're going to maybe still finish as a top five team in the conference this year. So we're kind of entering into the run of seeing all the top teams. You, you'd love to go 2-0 and this week, but if you only go 1-1, and to me, you have to beat Purdue. Because I think Rutgers is going to take enough losses during the course of the yeah. season where the, they're going to co- compete for one. But I don't think they're going to be able to, to quite deliver. Uh, Purdue is the team that you got to get another loss on. And you have the head-to-head, and and you see what happens. So, yeah, I, I think it's a must-win really for the Big Ten title hopes, uh, because you dropped that one Friday, and there's really nothing you can do about it at this point. So,
0: well said. There we go. Well, everything you say is well said, DK. I always love having you on. Thanks a ton for for joining us. Any any final parting words before we let you enjoy your Saturday night here.
1: No, man. But I think that if they go out and they beat Purdue and Rutgers this week, I think that oh, you know, I think that expectations have have already kind of been exceeding slowly but surely during the course of the season. We've had some ups and downs, but now it looks like we've kind of rounded into form. Um, I think that if they go out and they go two and zero this next week, that we need to start really thinking about this team as capable of making a deeper run in March because yeah. you look around the rest of the country and. There's a couple of pretty damn good teams at the top, but I think, I think ultimately there's maybe four or five teams that you don't want to see. And I think everybody else, the, the degree of separation is very marginal. So get into the tournament, get yourself the best seed that you can, but ultimately um, just stay healthy and keep playing this style of basketball. Cause you know, the last, the last month has been pretty good. And even that Illinois game, there was some really, really good things that came out of it. It just yeah. didn't end up being able to close it. So Come out mm-hmm. this week swinging, find a way to at least beat Purdue. You beat Purdue on Monday, you're playing with house money, in my opinion, and you could probably feel confident coming to that Rutgers game. Uh, if you lose, then that Rutgers game becomes kind of a must-win situation a little bit. So,
0: And if they go 2-0, I'm, I'm calling you immediately, and we are booking flights down to Houston for the first weekend in <laughs> April. It's going to be absolutely a knee-jerk reaction that I'm, I'm willing to make. So, uh, yeah, that's how we roll here on Locked on Spark. So, hey, thanks a lot, DK. You're the man. Thanks for having for me always, you. Matt. Appreciate it. You're the best, man. All right. Everyone else, go enjoy the rest of your weekend. Let's get this dub on Monday. Love you all. Go Green.